You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, everybody. It is Wednesday night, October 19th, 2022. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, part of the ChairShot Radio Network. You can find us on thechairshot.com. I am your host, the man with the award-winning beard, DJ. I'm going to go around the room tonight and introduce this interesting cast of characters that we have on this show, starting with my longtime co-host uh, from the Rob the Genius podcast, the Minister of Truth, the father of facts and figures, the deacon of data. Mr. Rob, sir, how are you tonight? Good. Good to be back. Awesome. Awesome. Glad to have you back, sir. Thank you again. And a man who is floating away on a cloud for the second week in a row, destined to go through a barbershop window, <laughs> Bucky's tag team partner, Jason Bubba. How you feeling tonight? Feeling excellent. How are you guys? Good, good. We had a great pre-show huddle, and I'm hoping that energy carries over into the show because I am excited. Uh, basically, officially, unofficially, the fourth member of the show, sitting fourth chair tonight, from the Chair Shot Radio Network, the Outsider's Edge, Mr. Ray Cash. Sir, thank you for joining us tonight. Well, I appreciate that, but hold on. So Rob got like 75 nicknames. <laughs> Jason got like all these anecdotes. Like J- Jason's anecdotes are like Hangman Pages, like the little ch- uh, chevrons that he comes out. Have you ever watched AW and it's like over his name is like, uh, forgot to get his coffee this morning, Hangman Page. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, and by the way, Ray's here. <laughs> by the way, Ray Cash. <laughs> oh. Ray, I'm sorry, man. I'll work on that delivery. As many times as you've been on here, I got to come up with like an, an entire introduction for you, buddy. No, I do apologize. It's it's good to be on. I have missed you gentlemen very much. Good to see y'all. Um, I feel like it's going to be a crazy episode tonight for some reason. I don't. Maybe it was a huddle. Oh, yeah. Well, he said, I hope what it, we had some great energy in the huddle, and I hope it carries over tonight because I had a lot of. As a matter of fact, I had to take a minute and compose myself from laughing just so that I could make it through the intro. And then I still screwed it up for Ray. So that tells you what kind of podcast host I am. Um, anyway, 
So we're going to get started here tonight. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, we're going to, a little bit later on, get into something. Uh, part of the reason, aside from we love having him on here, and he's a good brother to the show, uh, Ray and Rob got into a bit of a Twitter debate earlier today about one Austin theory and the Money in the Bank briefcase. We're going to get into that a little bit later on. But first, I want to open the show with a, uh, a very heartfelt get well soon to Adam Page. Uh, apparently suffered a pretty pretty nasty looking injury on dynamite last night while he was wrestling Moxley. Um, which one of you watched it live? None of you. Well, I saw because it's funny. I turned to it right after it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I <clears throat> cause I saw, I just saw on the timeline that like people were like, Oh shit. You know? And so I, turned to it and it was right after it happened and they you know in commentary they were like stalling for time because you know obviously this wasn't planned and you know they got him out of the ring they brought the stretcher out they brought him they got him out of the ring and then moxley went into his promo which i'm assuming you know because we'll look because they set things up with him and mjf for full gear after that so that part was planned but they had to kill a few minutes in between and um I did. I saw like a short clip of what happened on the timeline because the first people were saying that he took the lariat and that he was, you know, you know, people take a lariat and they kind of do the kind of flip sell. Right. Uh, people were saying that in doing the flip, he landed on his head. But then well, now when I looked at the clip later, it didn't really look like it, it looked like he was just out from when he got from the impact. And because the way it looked, from the way the clip looked, the way he was falling down, it looked like he was just out from the impact. So, and they said he had a concussion. So I think that's about right. Yeah. He just got knocked. Maybe he took it stiff and just got knocked out from the impact and just went down. Well, that's possible. Uh, when I worked in the business, there was a guy, and I've mentioned him on this show before, Blackheart Dave Johnson wrestled Stan Hansen a few times, wrestled him a couple times over in Japan. And he said Hanson hit him with the lariat so hard a couple different times, he legit knocked him out on two separate occasions. So, yeah, I, I believe it, man. If he took a stiff lariat from uh, from Mox, I full-on believe he got knocked out. Because oh, he, he didn't land on his head. He, he did not land on his head. Yeah, it's just... Okay. Because some people were, like, comparing it to the Big E injury, so I'm thinking he took some type no. of suplex no. or something and land that was the first thing i heard was oh it was just reminded me of big e and i'm like ah oh, jesus did he break his neck but go ahead ray i was i was gonna say it it, it was a it was a, just a regular lariat and it wasn't even i i wonder because it it was a nice lariat but i mean it wasn't jbl stan hansen vader type that trying to knock your head off i wonder did the flip make it worse because as you know, DJ, if you're going to take the type of bump and you're going to flip, you're preparing to do that before he hits you. And I yes. wonder did that kind of centrifugal force play play a role in in it? Because he, like Rob said, he didn't quite land on his head. He landed almost on his shoulder. But the second he hit the ground, he was completely out of it. And as wow. we saw with Tua Tagovailoa a few weeks ago, especially with the freshness that it is in, in the news now, you can't play with that type of concussion when your body, it's one thing if you're out, but when your body physically shows somebody you're out, like when Tua's hands, you know, were throwing the gang signs, like you can't, can't play with that. And so yeah. if, if I can say one quick thing, 
we give a lot of criticism. You guys on the show, me on my show, all of us in particular, to AEW for the things that they haven't done right, the things that they need to do better. This is one of those times where I think all of us need to laud what they did. Paul Turner, even Chris Nguyen's doctor, <coughs> Chris Nguyen, went out of his way to say Paul Turner knows what he was doing, and he immediately noticed he was gone, stopped it, and immediately brought out the help. The fact that they removed the bottom rope, the fact that they said, fuck the match, like, give them all the credit for doing that right. And and I'm a big believer in you got to have the same energy on both ways. If we're going to dog them when they do something stupid, ridiculous, give them all the praise when they do something correct. And thank goodness, because that dude, if, it could have been worse if nobody knew he was out and Moxley stepped trying to go at him. But they caught it, they took care of him, put him on the backboard, and he tweeted today. He did. So he's, yeah. 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 So he's clearly in good spirits. Yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right there. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about the same company who just, what, a year and a half ago had that tag team match where some kid got knocked out and the Bucks and everybody else just pretty much like wrestled over top of his corpse. So yeah. we've obviously come a long way since that day and yeah. 100% right. They, they caught it early. They stopped the match. They did their due diligence. They got Hangman to the back, got him checked out, and, you know, by all counts, it seems like he's going to be okay. Um, as we always say on this show, we've said that anytime somebody's been injured or anytime somebody's had to go out for any particular reason, get yourself healthy. That wrestling thing ain't going anywhere. Right. Your fans ain't going anywhere. Make sure everything is working right before you rush yourself back into that ring. Jason, you got anything to add? Just, I, I want to put over the AEW like you guys, because there are a lot of scenarios, especially where we've heard about how that place operates or how it has operated in the past, I should say, where the chain of command is not exactly clear. People are doing their own thing and la-di-da-di-da. This time, nope. F the match. We're stopping the match. Get him on a backboard. Get him out of here. We're done. And it, and it went from the ref to the dock. To Tony, I'm sure, to everyone, everyone's like, yep, 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 yep. It's like the nuclear chain of command. It, um, so, yeah, hats off because, again, that's definitely a place where we've seen the mantra, the show must go on in force. So I'm glad the show did not go on in this case. Um, and then, of course, I don't, I don't think I've ever said a bad word about Adam Page. He's a, by all accounts, he's a stand-up human being. Uh, as well as a wonderful professional wrestler. So all the best to you, pal. Um, get well soon and get back out there if that's what you want to be doing. Yeah, man, like I said, nothing nothing bad to say about Paige and all the best for him. And I hope the guy, I hope this is a temporary setback for him. So want to keep the positivity going tonight. want to talk about something that I think, and I think I speak for the entire podcast, is incredibly cool. And that's Wrestle Club. And, you know, I just was introduced to this whole Wrestle Club here. I'd say probably about the last six or eight weeks, I really noticed some things coming through on my timeline. And basically, this guy, Victor Victor Perry, it's, he's, uh, I guess, I'm assuming he's a teacher. He started this after-school club for wrestling fans at uh, it's KIPP AMP Middle School in Brooklyn. And it's an after-school program for kids to get together, watch pro wrestling, talk about pro wrestling. And the guy's taking it one step further. You know, a lot of these kids are just from, you know, economically, you know, challenged families, and they don't always have a chance to partake in wrestling events and live things like that. So lately he's been taking up 
uh, fun to doing fundraisers to get these kids to these these different events if they're in the area. Like I know they just tweeted from uh, what was it SmackDown a Raw. week or so ago. Raw at the Barclays. It was yeah. Raw, Raw at the Barclays Center. Um, he took uh, at least a dozen kids with him or something. The whole, the whole wrestling club. I took the whole yeah. club. Okay, I wasn't sure what, how many he took, but I I, just, I want to talk about this for a little bit and put this over because I think it's absolutely incredible for just a bunch of different reasons. Um, Rob, why don't you take over for a minute? Okay, because um, you're just hearing about this. Um, I mean, it, it's it's just it's an excellent thing because I know a lot of us as kids, you know, maybe we had a, you know a couple of friends who were wrestling fans also, but nothing like this. And <clears throat> that you know, he's able to you know to put this together and get all these kids to enjoy this thing. And it's 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 really just it's just wonderful, man. Because um, and that they were able to make the trip over to the Barclay Center. To, um, there were a few different podcasters who raised some money for them, and and then they're trying to make it to. I don't know if they're trying to make it to this WrestleMania or they they do want to eventually get to a WrestleMania as a group. And uh, God bless you, Victor, <laughs> having to take care of all those kids for that weekend if you got it, if it happens. Um, but um, it's, I mean, it's stuff like that that yeah, I mean, we need we need more things like that, and and they just they have just a just a much you know fresher perspective on watching this stuff. They're not cynical. They're not a bunch of Reddit commenter commenters, you know, and all that type of thing. Um. And like they're just they're fans and they just they just love watching it and it's it's you know as you know look as, I mean as I as I venture out and like to sample different podcasts and what have you now I do try to now I try to to look for at least some here and there to kind of approach it more that way and kind of like we're analytical about a lot of this stuff but <clears throat> sometimes you can just you know, you can get too deep in the weeds and all of that. So, I mean, it's good to see a group of kids enjoying this and having fun with it and not, you know, falling down into the mud like we often do <laughs> with it. And uh, man, I just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a wonderful thing to see. And I'm glad, I'm glad that they're able to, you know, find some enjoyment in this. I'm glad that they were able to make it there because as we all know, going to wrestling shows is not cheap and that they're able to find a way to enjoy it. You know, is, is just to me, it's, it's, it's just a really good thing. Yeah. One, well, I'm going to go around the room on this one. Cause I want to kind of pick on everybody's experience as a young wrestling fan. Um, I know myself, I've been watching this for as long as I've been watching TV. It was one of the earliest things I ever watched with my dad and I and I know everybody's perspective will be a little different, given that we've got varying ages here. Um, for me, being a wrestling fan in the late 70s, early 80s, especially at school, you talked about it in the corners and you whispered about it because you got picked on. And, you know, that because, the, the, you know, that's fake crowd, you know, was already in on you. And it, you were the nerd that watched wrestling and you got bullied and you got picked on. So there wasn't like there. I wish there had been wrestling club when I was in school. You know, I wish there had been somewhere where I could have gotten together, you know, with a group of people who enjoyed what I enjoyed. I had, you know, it was spotty and you, you almost had to overhear somebody talking about it before you could connect. 
But again, we talked about it in hushed corners because you didn't want to get picked on for watching it. Um, Ray, what was your experience like being a young a young wrestling fan? Did you have that or was it fair? Did, did you not have to feel that stigma of being a wrestling fan? Well, I was very lucky because I was 10 years old in 1998. So, uh, I was extremely You lucky. Attitude Era kids had it easy. Uh, I was in the middle of the Attitude Era. So, like, <laughs> all throughout the halls of every... And I went to, I went to a private Catholic school in my elementary and middle school years. So, even in the elementary... The leaving, leaving chapel, doing the DX crotch, crotch chop, right? Like... <laughs> You know, I can't tell you how many times we got in trouble. We would we would wrestle in we would actually wrestle in the uh, in the playground. I, I notoriously pedigreed a kid in the in the sandbox. Jesus, so like the rocks. So like not the sand, but the rocks. Yeah. So like, yeah, I was very lucky, and I'm and I I'm very cognizant of of that. You know, I'm not one of the people. I'm not one of these people who think that the attitude era is like the greatest thing ever. But I am very cognizant of the fact that I was, I'm very, I was, I was almost born with a wrestling silver spoon in my mouth because I got a chance to see it from the moment where it was at its biggest and never stopped. I didn't have right. to go through those, those tougher times where you had to go look for the product or you had to see Vinny Vegas or you had to see the Yeti or <laughs> Rosie. No disrespect to those guys, all great performers, but the gimmicks, right? Right. So I'm very thankful for my time, and um, I was very spoiled in my house because I'm an only child. Yeah. So, like, not only did I get the pay-per-views, I got the pay-per-views for both shows. Like, oh, I wow. would get the, the WWF pay-per-view, and then I would get the WCW pay-per-view in the same month. And we would have, like, watch parties at my house. So all my friends would come over, and we'd have a sleepover and watch it. Like, one of my first big not teen, but pre-teen birthday parties was Bash at the Beach um, when um, Hogan and Rodman fought uh, Malone and DDP. So yeah, when I say I'm very, I was very lucky, I was very lucky. Okay. All right. So Jason, you're another one who, you're an Attitude Era kid. You grew up when it was cool and okay to be a, a wrestling fan. Tell me about your experience like in the public, not just like watching it, but like amongst your friends, did you have a crew, or was it just kind of you and a couple people? No, it was just me and my uh, friend Mikey um, that we just really got into it. And I mostly got into it through the, the video games and, and with my brother, because he would go to his friend's houses and watch it. But he's much older than me. He's nine years older than me. So he was like a grown-up when I was 13, 14. Um, so, yeah, I never went with him or anything like that. But yeah, mine was always a close knit group, and um, it's a, a couple of friends, and we talk about it. But it was never a, but it was never a hush hush thing because we were the nerds already, and we were talking about you know Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon and all sorts of Star Wars and all sorts of stuff. So you know, wrestling was just another just another thing. So no, I didn't have the. I kind of probably had an atypical wrestling experience where wrestling was just another part of life yeah all right rob what about you i know your kind of your trajectory is very similar to mine uh started very young started with you know the nwa dusty roads and then into wwf what was fandom like as a young kid for you 
Well, for me, so I started watching, it was around 1985, you know, around, you know, the first WrestleMania. And so for me, yeah, you know, I, I had a few friends who were fans and you know, we weren't, you know, we didn't have, to, we didn't have to hide or anything. And of course, you know, 1985 was kind of like the height of Mr. T's popularity. So anything he was involved in was okay, you know. And we went on for a while, and um, like with us, it's, you know, we got a little bit older, and fewer, you know, some people, you know, weren't watching anymore. We, you know, me and two or three other guys, we, you know, we never really stopped, and we kept going through high school even. And now we, you know, we didn't talk about it openly because it. Yeah, after I mean, as we became teenagers. No, it wasn't cool to be out here just, you know, talking about going to see the, you know, the, the wrestling, right? But, you know, we weren't, we weren't embarrassed by it or anything. Now, as I became, see, I didn't really, for me, there wasn't really any stigma for me until I became an adult. Because, you know, you get out there in the quote-unquote real world, and that's when you, you know, that's when I first started hearing that, well, you know, uh, it's not real, you know, and, well, no kidding, right? Um... And then now for me, I feel you know, when the attitude there started, it started. I graduated college in '97, and so that was right before everything started. Before Austin, right as Austin was taking off, as Degeneration X was starting, that was right in the middle of the NWO stuff. And then, so for me, you know, I went from college to the workforce, and at that point, I was kind of like the lone. No, because I wasn't, you know really the friends i had then weren't really into it so it's just kind of me by myself and you know a couple other people i knew but no we i mean we never really embarrassed by it or anything and you know it just we didn't have, it was like with jason i was a nerd already right i mean no you know what were you going to say about me right i mean and it was kind of like it was like eminem at the end of an eight mile where he just runs through all the stuff like okay yeah all this is true what you know um that's how <laughs> we kind of were about it about things so, you know, you couldn't really bother me by messing with me about it. And, and uh, you okay there, brother? Yeah, sorry. Okay. My, my computer just, like, froze. Oh, okay. And I, uh, I was like, no, don't do this right now. No, okay. no, no we're cooking here. Don't, don't, don't stop. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. Sorry. So, I mean, for me, yeah, I was ne- there was never any real stigma about it to me because, you know, look, I was in the Star Wars. I was in the Dungeons and Dragons. You know, I was a math nerd anyway. What were you going to say? Yeah. And and I, I was big enough to fight, too. So if you did want to mess with me, then, you know, that may not go too well for you. Uh, see, I so, was a little guy. I was a scrawny <laughs> little dude. So it's, yeah, uh, same here. I didn't put on muscle until my mid-late 20s. Because, uh, well, well, look, I, yeah, I, well, yeah, I've always been a big dude. So, yeah, you know, look, hey, um, yeah, you, you can mess with me if you want to, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can, you know. Oh, no, no. I, I got that dog in me now, but, you know, in 1987, I didn't have it. So. Oh, no, I'm the opposite. I don't. Now, I'm look, if, if you if you come to me now, I'm going to, I'll sue you. Okay. <laughs> it's probably a safe, but we're getting a little too old to be fighting, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you know, it's like you said, I, I wish there had been some type of wrestling club. It's extremely hard sometimes to meet people in the general public that are into that and and i think we can all attest to the fact that while i have been very fortunate to surround myself with some folks that i've met on the internet 
present company definitely excluded or not excluded, included, my God, present you, company you included as I properly write the first that. <laughs> Love you guys. And this is a group of people that I, you know, in, engage with on a regular basis that one day I hope to meet face to face and give gigantic bear hugs to. Um, it's, it's for these kids to have that type of connection and be able to sit in a in a setting and talk about it and pick it apart and watch shows and, and share their experiences as fans is pretty damn cool, you know. And it's you see these kids and they're at the show and they're just all going crazy. They're all having a good time and it's a solid reminder as to you know it's mindless wrestling podcast catchphrase time. Who understands this shit? Nanas kids and nanas. And kids. Yeah. Kids That's and nanas. Right. And nothing nothing makes me happier as a wrestling fan than to see the looks on kids' faces when they're at the show. You know, my own kid, the other kid, like well, I took her to SmackDown a couple of months ago. She had an absolute blast. There were hundreds of other kids running around there having an absolute blast. And, you know, those were kids who, you know, were fortunate enough and to a degree privileged enough for their parents to be able to afford to take them. And for this group of kids whose parents may not be able to do that, for Victor to try and find a way to get these kids to live out you live out their dreams, I think, man, you can't say enough good things about that. And I can't put it over enough. I'm glad you brought that up. I want to I give the listeners a few details about the club for those who aren't too familiar with it. Rob alluded to the fact that they want to go to WrestleMania. I want to... Um, I normally wouldn't do this, but I, I think it's appropriate now. I want to shout out some of the Black Wrestling Podcast, the Public Enemies Podcast, Sad Guy Greg from Cheap Heat. A lot of these people really worked hard to get their fundraising, their GoFundMe, because their goal was $15,000 for their flight, lodging, tickets, food, all that. They hit that and more. I'm talking like within like a, less than a month. So people clearly believe in this cause, believe in what they're doing with these kids. And it's not just after school. Like sometimes uh, the dude takes videos of um, their reward if they get good, good grades on the test is they get to watch a match. You know, stuff like that is just beautiful stuff. And it, it started off as kind of just enjoying wrestling, t- showing these kids, you know, giving them a place to enjoy their habit. But now he's teaching them the business. Like Sasha Banks has shown up, um, Keith Lee and Swerve, uh, Swerve uh, Scott, uh, well, Swerve, I'm sorry, Swerve Strickland, I'm WWE, my bad. Um, yeah, uh, showed up right, and uh, when they were tag champs, now he's got he's got these kids breaking down promos, like it's beautiful <laughs> to see what he's doing with these kids, and the most heartwarming thing about this whole situation is. And I love the phrase of the show, kids and nanas. We we take for granted the point of wrestling, because wrestling, with the exception of four years, has always been for kids, right? At least in this ad- this iteration. I'm talking Hacking Smith and Scotch, right? I'm talking like modern pro wrestling. Um, the beauty of it is these kids send him notes and letters about how he's changed their life, giving them the opportunity. Like, like the kids were crying when he told them that we're going to Raw. And it's like, and I, I don't want to assume, Jason, I don't know if you're a father, if you have kids or not. I know the rest of us do. Um, and even if you don't have kids, you got somebody in your life that's younger than you that you've 
been around or care for, it is just something it touches your heart to see kids happy, doing what they love, being involved with what they love. And I want to shout out all those people I named, especially Sasha and Keith and Shane Swerve for like caring enough about these kids to go and like talk to them. I really hope that Hunter does the right thing at WrestleMania LA. Bring those kids backstage, dog. Let them get a chance to meet these people. All these wrestlers are always talking with Victor on Twitter. Big E's howling at them. Uh, Seth talking. To, like, do something for these kids and give these kids. Have you seen their promos that cut on each other? But they have a have, have yeah. like a real like a live Efed and a wrestling club champion. Like it's beautiful, it's dog. Yeah, it's everything we all wish we could have done. Yeah. and I hope other people follow this man's lead because it, it, it doesn't have to be wrestling. It could be comics. It could be Star Wars. It could be whatever. Man, let's take care of these kids, bro, because they are truly the future. And yeah. honestly, they're not just the future. They're the present now, bro. Yeah, I like what you said there. He's he's using this club to inst. I know I'm going to use the wrong word here. This probably isn't a real word. I'm going to make it up on the fly. Incentive. He's basically using this as an incentive for these kids to do better in school, in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so important. Mm-hmm. That's DJ. so important, especially. Yes. The word is incentivize, and it is. I was going to say incentivize, and it, in my head, it sounded like shit. So I was well, like, I can't say that because it stupid. But at the end of the day, it was right. But yeah, he's using this to incentivize these kids. Because, you know, there's a lot of kids that are growing up just expecting, you know, give me, give me, give me because I want. And he's teaching these kids, no, you want, you got to give back. And, you know, that's that's a powerful lesson that kids need to learn. And I again, I applaud him, you know, not only for what he's doing, but also using it to teach values, to teach responsibility and to teach accountability. I think it's I think it's incredible. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Yeah, it's awesome. And the, uh, um, Ray, no, I don't have kids, but I do have nieces and nephews. And um, the, some of the best times I've ever had at wrestling ever is bringing my ne- nephews to wrestling shows. I brought my nephew to SmackDown one time. Um, he had an absolute blast. I, we, you know, he's come over for WrestleMania. We've take, taken him to indie shows. You know, um, what's his name? Jensen. Now, now Brooks of Jensen of Brooks and Jensen landed in his lap one time. So that's <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's seeing the actual, cause he gets it. I think that it's a stage that it's a play that it's a, whatever. It's kind of like Santa Claus where we haven't really had that conversation, but we've kind of danced around it. And <clears throat> it's just, it's just cool to see the wonderment and whatnot in their eyes and kind of, kind of just seeing the, you know, yeah, this is the carnival, kid. You know, this this is this is the good stuff. Can I tell you all the fun story? The real fun yeah, go for it, man. So, um, being in Houston, 
privileged. Well, we're all in big cities, so I mean, I can't say that I'm any more privileged than you guys. But we get a lot of big shows here. Um, the Night of Champions, the night that Sting got hurt. Mm-hmm. Seth had to defend both titles, uh, the world title against Sting and the U.S. title against Cena, and he wore the all whites, right? Yeah. Yep. So the, me the and my Power roommate, Ranger. the right power, yes, he was White Tiger's Award, yes. Yep. Me and my roommate at the time, uh, we, we had good tickets. Like, we were camera side, like, maybe seven rows down, like, really good seats, kind of in the corner, uh, facing the turnbuckle. And, um... And there was a kid, a mom, and her son behind us. Kid couldn't have been no more than four years old. And I mean, he is, you know how uh, ASAP Ferg says, coochie down to the socks like I'm Biggie Papa? He was Cena down to the socks like he was John Cena. <laughs> I mean, he might have had, had John Cena pull-ups on, dog. Like, I mean, like, it was Atta all boy. the way. <laughs> and I know the kid, he, again, it couldn't have been four, couldn't spell Cena. Right. But and so, of course, us being older and being, uh, you know, smarts, we rocking with Rollins, Marks, right? Yeah. This is, yeah, we're at the this is we're going for Rollins. So Rollins comes out first and me and my boy are going crazy. And the kid looks at us like, what the hell is wrong with y'all? <laughs> so now for the entirety yeah. of the match for the kid, we turn to John Cena fans. To big this kid up, Cena wins, and we pick the kid up in the air, <laughs> like shouted, and the kid is—he's having the best time of his life. Mama got tears in her eyes, so uh, happy. And and, and awesome. but the yeah, the funnest part of the match was Seth would do something dope, and we want to get happy, and we look behind us like, damn, can't do that, can't say that, <laughs> can't hear that. <laughs> I love you, so, yeah, that chick. That's a I'm, great like, it story. It was so hard. Yeah, man. Kids at wrestling shows are fantastic, dog. They no, are, it's the best. The one, the one quick anecdote, because I don't know if you anecdote, because I don't know if you've heard this, Ray. Um, we were watching WrestleMania, and it was Braun and Shane in the cage, and mm-hmm. Shane is on the outside of the cage, climbing down, and Braun's on the inside of the cage, like looking at him, screaming at him, like reaching over the cage. And my nephew's just like, just, just, just punch through the cage. Just punch through the cage. He's right there. And what do you know? Ron cocks back, punches through the cage, grabs, <laughs> grabs Shane and tosses him. Because, you know, that's what happened. And my nephew just absolutely lost his mind. So. Amazing. Kids, Amazing man. Stuff, best. Man. Yeah. That, for, for all you people that are pining for this, pining for that, man, stop. Watch it through a kid's eyes. And then you'll get it. Then you'll understand why people are quote unquote e drones. Why, no matter what ridiculous stuff WWE might pull, there's a reason for it because it ain't always about the 45 year old men. So, you if know? you just for a moment, if you look through a child's eyes, you might go, you know what? Liv Morgan as a champion for three months was pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're not going to do that, Rob. That was last week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was last week. Real quick before we cut out of there, I, there, there's an interesting story I read one time. It was uh, Iron Sheik told this story, and, and whether it's a shoot, whether it's a work, I don't know. I'm just recounting what I read. There was something to do. He was backstage. It was him and Nikolai Volkov, and they were tag team at the time. And these kids saw them, and they wanted interviews. And, like, Nikolai just kept white on walking. And it sounds like Iron Sheik gave him what for. And he's like, you dumb son of a bitch. He's like, you always stop for the kids. 
Mm. They always stop and talk to the kids. And that that's what it's all about. So, uh, Victor Perry, I applaud you for everything that you're doing for these kids. Incredible program, incredible opportunity for these kids. And it puts a smile on my face every time I see something from Wrestling Club, whether it's the kids in class or whether it's the kids at Raw. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And like Ray said here just a few minutes ago, we need more of that in the world. We really do. It's good stuff, so, yeah. Let's get in here and handle a little bit of uh, some some personal and and and, and professional um, in-house business with the with the Chairshot Radio Network. Uh, it's been about three and a half months since the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, and current Men's Money in the Bank winner Austin Theory has been running around with that briefcase now. And there was a, a post earlier on Twitter today questioning the whole thing, questioning what's going on with that. And my two guest hosts here tonight. Mr. Mr. Rob and, and Mr. Cash got into a bit of a, a discussion online today, and I, I figured it'd be it'd be good it'd be good content to kind of carry that over into the show this <laughs> evening. Um, so, Rob, since I caught your stuff first, why don't you tell me a little bit about how this started, okay. and then we'll get into the whole nuts and bolts. Okay, so Austin Theory came out last night. Um, at the end of NXT, they had like this kind of three-way thing in the ring with... Um, Kevin Owens had a Kevin Owens show. Yeah. J.D. McDonough with Ilya Dragunov and with Bron Breaker. They got into a fight, as you would expect whenever there's a go-home show. And Ilya was last standing and held the title. And Austin Theory came out with the briefcase and held the briefcase up. Yeah. Well, one, one quick side note. JD, don't Google me. Oh, that is was the, is the line of the year so oh, far, man. That, look, that that was an all time. <laughs> I mean, that was an, look. I I put that up there. I said that was even a bigger roasting than when uh, Miz got after Enzo that time. I want to touch uh, that too, by the way, because look, please, you look, you about to get cooked. So go ahead, get. Right, oh, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll put go. don't Google me on the back burner because we've got you some cooking to get, get into cooked, here. Brother. <laughs> So Austin, ahead, Theory, sorry. Austin Theory comes out with the briefcase, and everybody's like, oh, he might do that here? And then, so one of those uh, websites tweeted, like, well, what do y'all think about this? And I said that, well, Austin Theory is exhibit A, why you don't use the briefcase to try to move somebody up the ladder, basically. That, because I'm of the opinion that, and it is been my long held view that you gotta you can't use the plot device to get there. You gotta already be there. The plot device is certification where you already got to. Okay, you can't use the plot device to get up the hill. Okay. You you get up you gotta get up the hill first. Then they can hand you the plot device, which is what money in a bank briefcase is basically. Okay. You can, all right. Um because I'm of the belief that, that the more they have to gimmick things up for you to get to the top, that means you ain't it, okay? And if, if you really are it, then they don't have to do all that gimmicking up of stuff. They just put you there. You can just go there, all right? And you go there very simple, right? Hulk Hogan walked in the door in December, and in January, they just booked him to beat the, he beat the Iron Sheik a month later. They, they didn't have to do a whole bunch of gimmickry or nothing, right? He came in the door. It's obvious. He's the guy. Boom. He wins the title, okay? Um, 
So last year, Big E had the briefcase last year. What did he do? For about a couple of months, he walked straight up to Roman, straight up to Paul Heyman, and just laughed in their face and held up the briefcase. Like, yeah, <laughs> guess what's coming? And then when he finally decided to cash it in, he said, you know, I think the he came out and said to, you know, I think Bobby and Randy Orton having a match that night. He, well, and he's the Friday before he said, I'm coming to Raw. And when you guys are done, I'm pulling this out and I'm taking that from you. And what did he do? He, it was very simple. And he did exactly that. It was very simple and all that. You know what? And here with Austin Theory. Now they're bringing him. Now he's coming to NXT with the briefcase. Why? Because that's the only title people believe he can actually hold. Okay. Because it's pretty obvious at this point that he hasn't passed the believability test to be world champion. Because if he did, even if he didn't, because look, no, like nobody's going to cash in successfully on Roman. Okay. We know that's not going to happen. That's just the briefcase is a lost cause this year because they're not going to do that. All right. And then because the only scenario people were coming up with was this convoluted mess. Where, oh, well, Austin Theory will come in during a match and he'll make it a triple threat and he'll pin the other guy. But then somehow they'll say, well, he can only win the world title because of that. Right. I mean, so in other words, that means it wasn't going to happen. All right. When you got to come up with that kind of convoluted nonsense, that, that's not going to happen. OK, so the briefcase is a lost cause this year. But even with that. It's in the hands of somebody who I do not believe the general audience buys as world champion. Because when you have the briefcase, 90% of the time, you are going to become the champion. So in essence, when somebody wins the briefcase, that's what you're saying. You're saying that they are going to win that belt with you know using the briefcase. So when you when you put somebody in that position who has not who, you know, what has not passed that kind of test of being believable at winning the world championship, you end up in this kind of situation. And the fact that they got him going down to NXT is a tell. It's a tell that he hasn't passed the test with the audience. And once again, they put it on the wrong guy. And, and that's what this is. This is evidence of that because Seth Rollins had, if Seth Rollins was Mr. Money in the Bank, he would not have been walking out there last night. Okay. okay, let's let's put a pin in that. I'm, I'm gonna bust up in here like Lou Duva. I'm like, let's get it on. Um, I see, I see, I see, Mr. Cash over here taking notes. He was writing some stuff down a minute ago. Oh, he's got a whole page of notes. Oh boy! <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> All right, Mr. Cash, the floor is yours. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, and he hers, he hers, he him, he hers, and the they them's of the wrestling universe. Um, my uh, opponent, first off, brought up. No, let me stop playing. <laughs> um, first off, it. let me let me start here. First and foremost, that I I feel like a lot of the rhetoric is, and you even said so yourself, Rob. That uh, he wasn't good, and you're essentially saying he's not good enough to cash into the main titles going down to NXT. Bobby Lashley, when he won the Royal Rumble, was looking at going, catching on, uh, was looking at facing the uh, ECW champ, the third champ. Charlotte Flair, your queen, 
fought, picked the NXT champ after winning the uh, Royal Rumble. Oh, let's look. Hold on, I got to clarify that for a minute here since you brought it up. Okay. The NXT champion came to her and ran her mouth and got put down at WrestleMania. Okay, no, and she won. But again, she, she could have chosen what she wanted. She chose the NXT champion. This, that, so there is a history of people, and I know, I'm, forgive me for not remembering, but I'm pretty sure there's been an NXT, there's been a, a, a Money in the Bank winner who's threatened the NXT championship as well. So this is not a new occurrence. If it was, I could understand where you were coming from. Secondly, let's talk gimmicks. You mentioned that you don't believe that theory alone has done enough to be at the level of where the, the money in the bank will help him. I would like to argue against that by saying that all this stuff is a gimmick. The money in the bank briefcase was a gimmick for everybody. The Royal Rumble is a gimmick. King of the Ring is a gimmick. Right? So... Stone Cold winning the Royal Rumble three times was a gimmick for him to get to a point, right? Every Royal Rumble winner is a gimmick to get them in the main event of WrestleMania. The Money in the Bank champion, the Money in the Bank briefcase is a gimmick to get them a championship match and possibly get them to a certain point. So I believe it makes more sense for people who aren't ready in the eyes of people to get the gimmick, to get them to a certain point. What good would it be? We all, maybe, maybe not some, maybe not you guys, and Rob, you might be the person that didn't do this, but a majority of people were very upset at this, this year's Royal Rumble because the winners were people who didn't need it, Brock and Ronda. Brock lost the world title match that night and then got another one when he could have gotten any world title match he wanted because he's Brock Lesnar. Now, a person who's not in that space can use that. I'll, I'll, cite, I'll, I'll cite you Shinsuke Nakamura. When Shinsuke won the Royal Rumble, he was the perfect person who was at a place who was believable, but needed that ascension to get to that spot. Right? That's the type of thing that these gimmicks, in my opinion, are made for. Which is why Theory having the, champ, having the briefcase is the perfect vehicle for him to be in the world championship position or win a championship. Um, another thing I want to mention is you spoke about believability. I wrote that down, right? I mentioned this to you earlier in our back and forth, but people, you don't think people believe in theory as a champion. Number one, even before he won the briefcase, theory was holding his own against some of the top or some of the biggest baby faces in the company. Finn Balor, Mustafa Ali, Drew, Drew uh, McIntyre, Bobby Lashley. I mean, Bobby Lashley had a series of U.S. title matches because he was U.S. champ. They right? were incredible matches. It should be noted they were incredible matches. Thank you. By the way, that's another thing. He doesn't get enough credit for this because, you know, he was an asshole and did some stupid shit he shouldn't have done. And because he's a muscle head. But he's a really good professional wrestler. Doesn't get enough credit for it, right? But um, I would like to cite to you this. Speaking of vehicles or gimmicks, right? The gimmick of the stooge of the boss or the boss's champion 
goes back. We're talking Vern Gagne, Stan Hansen. Like, it, it goes back forever. And it works perfectly because the most over person in that company is the guy who books the company. Well, if Vince McMahon is the most was the most over person in WWE, Tony Khan is the most over person in AEW. It just is what it is because they're the ones yeah. making the decision, and every good thing that they do or happens in the company, fans take it as well. They gave it to us. So with Vince using his heat to put over Theory, man, Theory could lose twenty five matches in a row, and Vince would be like, "Here's your championship," and the fans will eat it up. I think so much, we're so smart now, we know the business so much, that we don't look at things from a perspective of what makes sense. We look at things from a perspective of what we like or don't like, which is fine. But it's, he, it's okay that he's not liked. It's okay that he's not popular. It's okay that people don't think he deserves it, because he doesn't. That's the story. When he got put in the Money in the Bank match, the story was he didn't deserve it, because what happened that night? He lost earlier that night. He didn't deserve to be put in that match, but he was. And the heat went to Vince, which then Vince gave back to him. The, the Pat McAfee match at WrestleMania. He lost to a non-wrestler. But y'all don't remember that. Because what happened right after? Vince got the heat back and gave it back to Theory. So when you're talking about buying into this dude, the beauty of... If this was a baby face, right? If this was Mustafa Ali holding the championship, I'm using him because very famously he was screwed out of winning the MSTB, uh with when Brock's music hit, right? Yeah. When he, he had the champion, when he had the briefcase. If he was holding his briefcase, or Biggie, as you mentioned, baby face, right? It made sense for them to be always around because a baby face has to have an air of your word, believability. You don't know he don't need no damn believability. You know what he don't need to do? Make you mad. Make you want to see them lose. And Austin Theory has done his job fantastically. The, the, most, the biggest joy of, of... People have gotten so much joy in seeing Brock or, or Tyson Fury or Roman beat the shit out of him when he tries to cash in because people don't want him to do it. That is money. So... So my, I think it's dope that he's going to NXT because number one is going with the new company Edict that NXT is very clearly a developmental brand, but we want to still give it the gravitas so that when, I don't know, Tony D'Angelo gets called up, he don't got to wait nine months before he can get over. He'll right. be over immediately. So it helps when you got a guy like Austin Theory, who at this point, everybody knows brings one of the most recognizable icons in the history of WWE to NXT and says, <clears throat> oh, hey, you three guys right, wrestling for this title? Just to let you know, I'm looking at y'all too. He may never cash in on that. He could cash in on Roman after the Logan Paul match. We don't know. But the fact that he went down there just ups the level of prestige for the NXT championship. Yeah. I think Jason had something he wanted to pop in there, and I've got – I want to kind of dissect where, where I think Rob was going with this for a minute, and then we'll wrap back around. Jason, go ahead. Well, I want to just point out that the, the – I think we're kind of chasing our tail when it comes to the, the gimmick is the elevation device, is the elevation the gimmick. 
when this stuff works, when someone wins a Money in the Bank briefcase, they might as well already be champion, even if they've never been champion uh, once. Like, it it feels like they're, they're, it's just we're one step away now. It's not something that they go, okay, maybe we're... I don't see they ever use it as a test because every time I think they have, it's been kind of it's fallen kind of flat. Like I think it is with theory right now. Obviously, that's because of Roman. But just because your point about the Royal Rumble, I'm like they haven't used that as an elevation device in forever. Because I mean, maybe Nakamura. Nakamura is probably the last one. Um, but other than that, I mean, look at the, the the last mirrors. The last winners have all been main eventers already. Um, but and we've done that on a previous show actually. But uh, I just think a you're running into the problem with Roman. Roman's not going to get cashed in on, or he might. He's just going to lose. And why? And why does that stink? Well, because no one wants to see a failed cash in. Failed cash ins are horrible. No one likes them. And so you're also shooting that gimmick in the foot for a year. So you put it on a guy nobody's really happy about. You get him all the way to the – you have him run around, like, how many months with this thing? And God forbid if it goes any longer. In three months and then now. he cash And then he cashes in. I guess we get a good laugh because we like Roman being champion. And obviously every time he's got – Austin's got Molly Wap before, we've all laughed. But it's like, ah okay. Wow, another year where the Money in the Bank briefcase didn't do shit, huh? Because also I'd point to the year Baron Corbin won it. That dude was not ready to be a world champion, and they knew it, and they pulled the rug out from under him. I'll tell you, this, this Baron Corbin would be. Yeah, um, 2022 but, Baron Corbin would be a believable Money in the Bank winner. Absolutely. Whatever year that was, like 2017, 18? Yeah, 2017, 2017, yeah. 2017, 2017, yeah. 2017, he wasn't quite there yet. And that's why he failed his cash-in, and they, they pulled the plug. I think, um, I think it was a better example of that is Otis. But well, now, and... It, Oh, and Otis was another great example, of course. Yeah, and then uh, to, to jump in here, well, that's what I mean, because, all right, if, because, look, people believing in you as being that, as being ready for that is part of the whole deal, and booking only does, booking doesn't, alone doesn't accomplish that. Right, I mean, like even like during the height of people hate hating Roman Reigns, nobody said that he didn't look the part. Okay, nobody said that he wasn't believable winning the world championship. There were just a bunch of people who didn't want him to win it. Right, that's the difference. There can be people who don't want you to win something because they don't like you or whatever. Right. So, or, so what's but, not believable about Austin Theory? Just like. And 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 don't don't and, and if I'm I'm asking if, if you don't mind, don't speak from uh this is what Rob likes or doesn't like. Okay, no, completely no. unbiased. Because no, because look, I'm no, I'm look, I'm saying that no, just he has all of the tools to be there, and I'm not saying never. I'm just saying, as of today, that I don't think that he's past that threshold. Why? What is just it for? All right, for people who just watch the television show. Okay, not us, because we watched him in NXT, we watched him in Evolve, we read about him, we know all this stuff about him, all of that stuff. Okay, so yes, we all believe that he has what it takes to be a world champion. Yes, we do. 
because we we read all this insider information. We watch them in all the different places, and all this stuff. Okay, but the people who have only watched, who just watch Raw or SmackDown on television, mm-hmm. what what have they seen him do? They've seen him kiss Vince McMahon's ass. They've seen him take selfies. They've seen him. Now you said he had these great matches with people. Yes, but he doesn't win those matches. The only person he important. beat was Finn. The only person he beat was Finn Balor. Not important. He beat Mustafa Ali. And okay, I, I don't and, know what kind of weight that carries right now. But honestly, he beat well, Mustafa look, Ali. Look, we love Mustafa he Ali. He won one of those matches but, against Lashley because he defended. Look, yeah. Well, well, he he lost he lost the matches to Bobby. He lost the title to Bobby, and he lost to him against SummerSlam. And he he never beat Bobby. Okay. And with the wins Bobby. and losses, There's difference. He never pinned Bobby. Yeah. Okay. Okay, with the wins and losses, okay, the actual, the number total of wins and losses aren't, don't matter, but if people see you lose, 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 they see you lose repeatedly on television, that absolutely does matter. Well, let me, let me stop you there, Rob. Let me, let's go back to the aforementioned Baron Corbin. Aside from Dolph Ziggler on Monday night, when's the last time Baron Corbin won a match? Like, legitimately, let's not, not a match, a feud. Baron Corbin has spent the last three years getting that ass whipped by everybody. Right. But he is still a believable threat. And because, and there's a, and because he has done, he's because the character work, I mean, he, he has, okay. It's not just because of booking, right? He has improved as a performer. Okay. When, when he was the lone wolf Baron Corbin in 2017, uh, he, uh, he was, there wasn't really much there. I'll say it. The lone wolf sucked. Yes, exactly. It, it really did. Sucked as a, as a, yes, there was there was nothing to that as a character. Right. It sucked. Okay, since then, all right, he has improved as a character. All right, the same way. Look, Seth Rollins loses all the time, but he. Thank you. That's what I was going to use. Yeah. But but okay, but his his character work is, and, but also Seth Rollins does not lose on TV all the time. Seth Rollins. Yes, he does. Loses, no, Seth Rollins loses all the time at house shows. Okay. No, he lost every match almost on TV for a year. No, I, no, that is yeah, not. Man. Do you want me to look it up, Ray? Do you? you no, want no, no, me? no. I'll, okay, I'll do it. No, no, no. No, Rob. Ray, he's right. I, Rob is right. He loses the match on pay per view. He spent a year losing the feud, losing the match on pay per view. He was not taking L after L after L after L after L every every week. No, and he was on an. Obs- yeah, and there's a huge difference. There's a huge because, like, for prime example, because um, I brought her up last week, Dewdrop. Dewdrop has been getting beat like a drum on television all year. There is a different when people see you lose on television all year, you look like a loser. Okay. I see, to me, as much as I like Dewdrop as a wrestler, personally, and again, and I'm going to get to this in a minute, I find more presence from Austin Theory as a character. Like, he irritates the crap out of me. I want to see him get punched in the face. But what I want to do is, you you spoke a minute ago, we look at this as, quote-unquote, smart fans. You know, guys who, you know, we see what we like. We see we we know that he's a great worker and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I think uh, we've pulled up, I think he's, what are you pulling up? Uh, Win-loss records here, Bubba? From, from From January 2022 until now, I want you to look at this is the win, this is the wins, this is the losses. How many house shows? How many house shows? How many house shows? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go show by show. Yeah, take the house show. Monday night out. raw. Monday night raw. Bobby Lashley lo- loses that match. Monday night raw. He beats Big E. Good for him. Monday night raw. Bobby Lashley loses. SmackDown. Him and him and Seth. He wins that match. SmackDown. 
that's a dark match. It don't count. Uh, he won that match by DQ, but we know he got his ass beat. Riddle beat Seth. Doesn't Rock. matter. He still won. Okay. Oh, and I'm saying a lot of these are probably going to be by hook or by crook. He won via disqualification or won via this. So we're going to change. We're going to change the conversation. No, we're going to change. We're going to change it. No, hold on. We're no. going to change it to how a heel wins in this company. Okay. Look, when I say lose, okay, if you if okay, I should have been more specific. Okay. By losing, I mean see, people see back. you get pinned on television. Okay. Yeah, flat on your back, taking the L. Getting, de- like... get, getting disqualified is not the same as getting pinned. Okay. Yeah. All right. So if you see how the story changed, DJ, right? Oh no. <laughs> hey, hang on. Let me move the goalposts here a little bit. No. Okay. Austin Theory has been getting pinned. He has been getting pinned left and right. Okay. <laughs> So if There's only, a difference between losing and getting your ass whooped. If, Seth if Rollins all, lost a lot. If all you do is watch the television shows and you have seen Austin Theory get beat a lot, okay, he just got beat by Johnny Gargano a couple of weeks ago, okay, um, clean as a whistle, okay, and he, he, got, he, he has gotten beaten a lot. He gets pinned a lot, okay, and and I maintain I will die on the hill that the regular people who just watch the television show have not seen him in a light that would say he should that he would be the world champion. He should be world champion, or that he's ready to be world champion. Okay, and dude, he got whooped by his own daddy on TV. And and look, and you know what? And look, Come on, and, Roman? And see, and those, no Johnny. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. See, and those people that I'm talking about who don't believe. They don't go on Reddit and make a bunch of comments. They don't tweet a bunch of stuff. You know what they do? They just stop watching the show while he's champion. Because they think this guy didn't ask whatever. Okay? That's what they do. Those are the people that just stopped watching when Jinder Mahal was champion. They didn't, they, you know, they didn't make a bunch of comments. They just stopped watching because, like, no, this guy sucks. Okay? And that's what they do. Okay? Well, let's, and, let's get a boots-on-the-ground perspective because... I was at SmackDown a couple months ago. Jason was at SmackDown the weekend after me. Jason, was Austin Theory at that SmackDown? He was. He was confronted by one Mr. Brock Lesnar. What kind of reaction did Austin Theory get? Notwithstanding Lesnar's appearance, that crowd in Boston, what kind of reaction did Austin Theory get? I'll tell you, 100% honest from hand on my mother's grave, tepid. Tepid? Tepid, just like, oh, boo. Like, there were general smattering of boos. You're supposed to boo the heel. But it wasn't, like, any sort of big heel reaction. I see in Orlando, by contrast, they were all over his ass. Oh, wow. And they, they were. And I, and I looked around because, you know, you always hear, you see online, oh, they're piping in the crowd noise tonight. They're piping it in. I'm looking around and because I watched for a few, there's a few different wrestlers that they always say, they pipe in the crowd noise, and those are the ones I was paying attention to. And I'm looking around in Orlando, and they're genuinely on Austin Theory's ass. And, nice. and maybe it maybe it varies town to town, and you know, and okay. this is fact. Um, some towns are heel towns, some towns are babyface towns, some towns react, some towns suck. Okay. Mm-hmm. Orlando is traditionally a hot crowd for wrestling. So mm-hmm. maybe it was just my crowd. Um, maybe it was just that night, but I mean they popped got they popped for um Natalie, you know, they, they, they pop for Natalia. You know, we could sit here and argue all day long that nobody pops for Natalia. Orlando popped for Natalia. Okay. So, so 
first and foremost, and we don't even have to get further into this. I am nobody. There's Jesus Himself could come down, Allah for my friends of other faiths, I, and tell me that wins and losses matter. And I'll I'm gonna look at you in your face, and be like, no, they don't. So that's but that's just me. And I'm not I'm not trying to make that the crux of the argument. That's just me. More importantly, I believe, and again, I could be very wrong. This is just me speaking. That what's more important to a quote unquote casual fan than seeing someone win or lose is seeing someone that interests them, that they can remember. I've seen many of these um have you ever seen some of those um tweets or or Facebook posts or something where they show like the current roster and they ask a person who they are and the only ones they can name is like Triple H, Randy Orton, and then uh this guy, you know, uh Otis is the uh big mechanic guy or something super like that, because nobody knows who they are. But if you're right. memorable, it's easier to get interested in that person. Whether they win or lose, right? That's why baby faces get so over because they lose all the goddamn time. Most of them do, but they do shit that's memorable, right? So I get the smart crowd hates the selfie shit, but in this day and age, that is one of the greatest things you could use as a gimmick. Is after you beat somebody, take a selfie with them, and then they got the AR where they put it in his entrance. That's genius. So Austin Theory number one is memorable, and I get you. You may disagree, and that's fine. We can disagree on that. But number one is memorable. Number two, kid is a looker. You don't look at that kid and be like, oh, I don't remember him. If you were to see, put him in a lineup with 20 other random wrestlers, you will remember the kid. Am I wrong on that? No, he, he passes uh-huh. the eye test. I see what you're saying. For sure. Yep. So, so it's like, because <clears throat> we're, we're, we're not speaking about smarks anymore or people who are really into wrestling. We're talking about people who may flip on and flip off, right? Right. Forgive me for not thinking that, that that person, if you're not watching already, that person ain't staying to watch a 20-minute match to see who wins and who loses, who goes over. That person is watching to see what, while my, while my eyes are on this show, what do I remember? One of, what, my very best friend on this earth watched wrestling with me as a kid. Couldn't care less about it anymore. But when I'm around, he may pop in with me or not, right? I took him to a show with me the other day. Uh, to uh, the last show I went to it was a Raw, and the only things he was paying attention to was the shit that got him interested. Other than that, he was sitting playing on his phone. Bianca Belair caught his attention. Why? The hair and all, you know the majorette attitude. That shit caught his attention, right? Seth Rollins caught his attention. He lo- of course he lost his mind when the people he knew popped out. Edge, Roman, these people, right? Stuff like that. But he wasn't checking for these other people. But he anything that caught his eye was like, wait a minute, what's that? And would ask me, who was that? What do they do? A perfect example. You know who he hated? He hated Montez Ford. We loved him. We as fans loved him. But he was like, he don't come off as genuine to me. And, and really? I was like, oh. Well, we look at him, we think he's going to be possibly the next rock. He was like, ain't no way in hell. And it was just to see from a casual's eyes, right? So as long as we're you're, we're watching and there's something you can remember, you should be good. And I can't name, with the exception of, like the top, 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 like the guys who don't wrestle every week. 
there's not 10 people on the main roster who just by looks and by gimmick, you are more memorable than Austin Theory right now. With even without the briefcase. Let me ask you this. We talked we talked about a week or two ago about wins and losses, whether or not they matter, whether obviously to a degree they matter to the smart fan. I think Rob's argument is <clears throat> the wins and losses matter to the casuals. Let me let me pose it to you this way, Ray. And I'm gonna use Ricochet as my example. Mm-hmm. Ricochet has been getting his ass whipped for the better part of a year. Mm-hmm. At this point, aside from his brief little um here, hold this for a minute, Intercontinental Championship run. Mm-hmm. I, as a casual, if Gunther puts up the Intercontinental Championship in an open challenge yeah. and Ricochet answers, my mm-hmm. first thought is Gunther's winning. Yeah. Like for me, the ending in that match has already been spoiled. And I okay. think to Rob's point, when you look at Austin Theory, if Bobby Lashley, hypothetically, is still the U.S. Championship, U.S. champion, and Austin Theory's music's hit, and Austin Theory has gone on a 15-week losing streak on live TV, mm-hmm. is the ending of the match spoiled for you as a casual, not as a smart fan, not as somebody who knows what we're watching, but as a casual viewer, Austin Theory's music hits, he comes out with the briefcase, he's walking out there, is your first thought, oh, he might beat this guy? Or is for you the ending of that match already spoiled? And that's a good point. And I'll, I'll see that point. But my argument is this. Now let's bring into the fact that he's the money to make champion. Because we're not talking, we've talked, we've talked, and we can continue to talk. I'm not trying to change the subject. Right. We can continue to talk about Austin Theory as a character on his own. But I want to talk about what the crux of the discussion started as and Austin Theory as a money in the bank champion. Because the beauty of that situation to me is just as you described, if I were to hear this person come out and say, here's an open challenge. And our theory comes out, so I automatically think he's going to win or lose. When he got the briefcase, it don't matter. And I and w- what I'm saying is, gimmick matters, alignment matters, all this. That's what makes wrestling so beautiful, because it's not MMA, right? If Israel Adesanya were to say, anybody in 170 pounds, what's up? 185 pounds, come holler at me. Ain't many people going to beat the dude, Right? But that's real fighting. We're talking about a, a, a scripted entertainment spectacle, right? So sometimes a match, put it to you like this. Let me flip it for you. In all of our careers, all of us know a dude or a lady. The dudes can be ladies. Ladies can be dudes, I mean. Um, who we know we're better than. We know we're more talented than. We know we're more deserving than. But they get moved up over us for various reasons, whether they suck up to the boss, whether it's nepotism, whether they, the person doesn't like us, some some kind of way, right? And you know how that makes you feel? Does that not make you feel angry? Yeah. Now you got this kid who, in kayfabe, probably don't even deserve to be there. He's there earlier than everybody else. It throws it in your face. Immediately starts using selfies and throwing it in your face that I'm beating you with the pictures, then goes and sucks up to the boss and becomes the boss's lackey. And because of that, gets put in all these positions he doesn't deserve and is now almost practically given the most prestigious accolade you can get outside of a championship in the company. 
And he's still losing because he's not better than them. But you know, eventually when he catches in, if he becomes champion, well, she's champion. That is a story that's been told in wrestling since 1975. The undeserving okay. heel champion. Am I wrong? Okay. Let me let me, all right, let me let me let me elaborate on my point from about the winning and the losing. Okay. And you, you're talking about gimmick and all that, okay? Yes, sir. Sonya Deville has a good gimmick right now, right? She looks mm-hmm. good. She has a good gimmick right now. When Sonya Deville's music hits, when she comes out there, you know she ain't winning. You know why? Because she has repeatedly on television in front of the whole world come out there and gotten beaten like a drum in short order by multiple people. Mm-hmm. Okay. They okay, Bianca had an open challenge a few weeks ago. And everybody's like, oh, who's gonna be who's it gonna be? The name Sonya Deville comes up on the Titan Tron and her music hits, and everybody's like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you knew what was going to happen as soon as their name came up there. Absolutely. Because you've seen what happens to her all year. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know she ain't got no chance because of what has happened. Okay. You, you know she's got no chance because you've seen her get beat by all these different people all year. So, yes, by that standpoint, the winning and the losing does matter because you saw her get beat by all of these people. Okay. Um, when if um, Carmella challenged Bianca earlier this year, you knew she wasn't winning. Why? Because we've seen Carmella get title matches for the past several years. She gets a title match. She does a good job. She loses. We have seen it repeatedly over and over and over and over. So when her mu- if she's challenging the current champion, when her music hits, you know what's going to happen. All right. Okay. You're going to get a good okay. enough. You, you'll get a decent match. You'll get a good match some a lot of times, but she ain't winning. And so yes, the winning and losing does matter because it establishes that kind of thing. When when it does, okay. If if the winning the winning and the losing if, if you lose enough, where people know you're not going to beat this person, then it absolutely matters. Okay. okay. And so with Austin Theory, people have been seeing him lose. Seeing him get beat, and yes, the matches with Bobby were good matches. But what what, what always happened? Eventually, you know, Bobby gets the shit together, and once Bobby gets the shit together late in the match, Theory's dead. Okay, um, so we've seen him taking these losses. We've seen him losing stuff all year, and who? And okay, and you know, Jason was talking about the Royal Rumble, right? The, no, they don't use the Royal Rumble to elevate. Royal Rumble is a certification. It's not elevation. Disagree. Still disagree. Who's the last person? Okay, no, no, no. Okay. It is a Steve certification. McIntyre, Bianca Belair, Oscar. Bianca was already there. They, okay, was. it was clear. Yeah, that they were was. No, that was the no, certification. Yeah, it was, no, it was no, clear no, she was next. She was in world champion. The they were yet. giving no. her. Okay? No. No. no, you knew. Everybody knew she was winning the damn match that night. Okay? Okay, no so way. people, everybody just because, just because just because you and, have an idea who's going to win the match doesn't mean that they were already at the world title. They material. were already pushing her like that, though. Okay, they were already doing it. But she was. We're talking two different things again. The point, the 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 the, the statement was: Was she world champion material? Was she being pushed strong? Yes. Was she the the the? Expectation to win that night? Yes. 
was she in the world title picture or being discussed for the world title? No, she wasn't. Dude, yes. from the moment she walked in the door, everybody knew. You're that, not, everybody that, 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 that you yeah. Bianca Belair is really weird, Ray. Because as soon as she, everyone's pissed off. She didn't win the NXT Women's Championship. See, not, so as soon as she walked in the door at Raw, they're like, oh, "Strap her up, let's go." So exactly. now we're talking. That was, was never in doubt. That was never in versus doubt. Versus what we're seeing on screen. These are two different conversations. Because if you're talking about what we personally all believe, damn right. We're but that's part about, of it. But no, it's not. And that's my thing. point. No, it's not. And it yes, shouldn't it ever be. But you want it to be. No, it shouldn't be. They didn't no, believe in you, Jinder Mahal. They did everything you were supposed to do. You didn't believe in Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal is one of my favorite title reigns of the past, 20, past few years. I loved everything about Jinder Mahal. You did it. We're, ta- we're, you're, no, we're I, talking. I was a Jinder Mahal fan. I like Jinder Mahal too. But again, we're talking personal beliefs and wants versus what we are seeing on screen. That's what we're, that, there's a major difference. And if we're talking what we see on screen, to pardon Bianca and her, and to you, Bianca and her. Okay, class, you know what I see on screen? A really handsome United States champion. Who's your That's champion? not a world champion. Forgive me, who's your United States champion, champion right now? Uh, Austin, no, I'm, I'm saying, okay, you want me to look at Austin? Oh, no, no, I got you, I got you. Champion? Okay, I'm looking at Austin Theory, and I go, okay, he's a United States champion. That's not what I mean, okay. And that's where you live. That's not what I mean. This is what I mean. Wrestling is the only entertainment medium in where we won't allow what the showrunner tells us to be the canon for the show. It's the only thing. There's no other entertainment medium where we do that. So... For example, you talk about wins and losses. If such and such wins this many matches, I'll give you a perfect example. Alistair Black a few years ago. Alistair Black didn't lose for a year and a half. But he was never put in any position of prominence. So all these matches he's he's supposedly winning, he's not in any title matches. He's not in any main event matches. He's not in any major feuds. He's just winning matches to win matches, right? Just looking on screen, not taking my opinion, not taking my bias, not taking everything, going by what the show is telling me is not important. What the show's telling me, right? Bianca Belair, from the moment no, she dated, but him, if they wanted to turn, if they wanted to turn that on a dime and suddenly give him the championship match, you'd go, oh, that's believable, because he's been knocking people's heads off for a year and a half. No, if okay. he had been getting his shit pushed in, it'd be entirely different. Okay, would it be? Because the men's just won a world championship, and he gets his shit pushed in every week. It's the, that's his gimmick. And- his- I'm going to play I'm on the side with Ray on this one because Miz yeah. is the perfect example. And right. Austin Theory is this generation's and Miz. Let me, and let me, let me jump in here now. Let me jump in here now. Okay. When the Miz was world champion the first time, they had to call Dwayne Johnson to come back and host WrestleMania. That's not necessarily true, but okay. <laughs> No, I, I will. Uh, I they, will. They called totally. Dwayne Johnson to come back and host WrestleMania because they weren't doing too well. Okay. They didn't call him because of the Miz, because the Miz hadn't won the title yet. But I no, but they they called him because they needed him. Okay. And and actually, if 
facts. Well, when don't you make that call? I, I'm, 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 I hate to be the well actually guy, but actually Dwayne called them. Dwayne said he wanted to come back. Okay, yeah. fine. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and, but and, and to, and to further argue that point, they called Dwayne while CM Punk was champ as well. So you well, can't oh, exact. You can't oh, well, exactly. Well, hey, use, you, you, you know, I got no problem co-signing that. Right. Look, yeah, look, exactly. Look, I, yeah, I, I we don't know how we feel about Chicago Phil on this show. Oh, yeah, we don't right, need look, to go down that but, road again. But, but um, no, the, I I absolutely see Austin Theory as this generation's Miz. He's not going to win them all. He ain't going to win a lot of them, but he's going to be that guy that you want to see get punched in the face. Okay, let me, and let me, just because he's running around with the Money in the Bank briefcase doesn't mean he actually has to have a successful cash-in. Quite frankly, I'm okay once in a while. Like, Agreed. from a storyline standpoint, it makes Agreed. sense. Occasionally, someone's got to lose. And in recent memory, Baron Corbin is the only one who has unsuccessfully Otis? cashed oh, in. Give it to Miz. You know, I, the Otis thing was an anomaly because it was in the middle of the pandemic. And they're like, you know what? Uh, it's the, the Money in the Bank briefcase and all the pomp and circumstance that goes with it is an in-front-of-a-crowd gimmick. Yeah. And it was never going to work in the Thunderdome with no crowd. So what are you going to do with this? Let's just, you know, make chicken salad out of chicken shit and do the best we can. And we got six months of story between Law and Otis and everything going on with Otis carrying around. The, it was the most ridiculous thing ever. Absolutely. But what else are you going to do with it at the, during that period of time? You've got you're, you're pretty much on lockdown for an indefinite period of time. But you have this storyline that you have to continue with the money in the bank. You just can't put it on hold. I will defend Otis winning that thing. That's the hill I'll die on because it was the right decision for that period of time. Austin Theory can walk around with this thing for another eight months and tease everything from the NXT championship to the 24-7 championship as a cash-in and end up – for me, it would fit right along with the gimmick if he has an unsuccessful cash-in. The guy's 25 years old. He's got another 10 years to cook. And, and could, do I look at him now and say, okay, yeah, I could see that guy as, you know, in 10 years being at the top of the card? Absolutely. But there's no guarantee that, that he's going to actually successfully cash in. And, and I'll lean in on something that, you know, our boss, the guy that signs the checks, kayfabe, um, Greg DeMarco said, <laughs> um, he said, this whole storyline is something Triple H inherited from Vince. Obviously, Vince probably had a much different scenario in mind for what he was going to do with Austin Theory. Triple H is going to do whatever he wants to do with it. And at the end of the day, at the exclamation point, is Austin Theory finally comes out to cash in and gets his ass handed to him. I, I think it's on brand for the gimmick. Well, I think that was going to happen regardless. I think, yeah, I think even if Vince was still there, that was going to happen. Because um, I, I said this on Twitter: if if Vince was going to try to pull that shit and have him successfully cash in, Roman would have hit him with the "not going to work for me, brother." Well, yeah, and that's yeah, the thing I think yeah. everybody missed: Vince being so high on Austin Theory, just the way I interpreted it, was a complete rip. Like it really was a rib, and at the end of the day, Austin Theory was not going to successfully cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase, Maybe. whether Vince retired or not. That may have actually been where it ended because that's a good. I'm, that, I didn't think about that as being the end. Two quick things. Number one, I heard Jason say, "Oh, this was he interesting." You damn right. There's a bunch of people that found all this interesting at that time. Secondly, there's, I don't. There think- was a lot of now what with Otis of, of, of if he had cashed in, if he had won. There's a lot of now what there. Yeah, Otis, Otis what- fails the now what test. 
Uh, Otis fails. Oh, yeah, exactly. Do. And that's what I think Rob's talking about with uh, with uh, Mr. Theory here. Um, so I don't think what your point earlier that you made, Rob, about wins and losses matter because it sets the space of the scene for you. My disagreement is this. This sport, this is a, this is this is not a this is not a a, a, a real competitive sport. It's it's scripted. So the wins and losses are just story ticks and story arcs to get you to the next thing, the next the next angle, the next moment, the next feud, the next segment. You know, you know what I'm saying? So if and and I know we're lost. I feel, and maybe I'm I'm off on this, but I feel that what's lost in this debate we're having is the importance of a gimmick, a heel gimmick, a heel gimmick where a guy is getting more than he deserves to get, where a guy proves honky tonk was losing, was getting his ass beat in every match, and then cheated to win to get out of there. Ric Flair. All his most all of his heel title reigns, he was not there beating everybody. He was sneaking by by the hair of his chinny chin chin, right? And we knew he could out wrestle everybody in the in the in the entire country, but that was the gimmick. That was the story. So, this dude is doing a damn good job because he's memorable in how he looks. He's memorable in the things he does. He's memorable in his even his fucking little sayings. Is you know, especially if you were a fan of two thousands hip hop, A Town Down. Come on, dog. We all yeah. know that. You know what I'm saying? So, and ultimately, if he wins, if he loses, if he gets the championship, if he doesn't get the championship, if he cashes in, he doesn't cash in. The great, the most, the the most reputable contenders lose title matches. The most reputable people. People who are real shooters lose title matches. Guys who haven't lost. Oscar had a fucking 17-year winning streak and lost the title match. Like, it, so if the best people can lose, why can't the worst people win? That is it's scripted. Okay, but okay, what? Okay, and I'm going back to the believability thing here. All right. Dolph Ziggler. Okay, why did people give up we on Dolph Ziggler? Cash. Because uh, we lost him. No, I'm here. I'll, I'll oh, blow my nose. I just didn't want to be. Disgusting. Oh, okay. Cool. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, Dolph. Okay, Dolph Ziggler, great wrestler. At one point, Dolph Ziggler was really hot, and a lot of fans gave up on Dolph Ziggler because time and again, they didn't pull the trigger with him. Time and again. He kept, he just kept losing these matches. He kept losing. He kept, and he kept losing. Yep. And people saw him lose over yep. and over and over again. And to yep. the point where people, where a lot of people gave up on him sure. becoming anything Absolutely. big. Absolutely. Why? They saw him lose. Question for you, sir. Over and over. Two quick questions. Is he a heel? Does he have a gimmick that allows him to win while losing? Okay, right now, sure. But what I'm saying is that people gave up on him. There was a time in 2012, 2013, where these fans 
saw him as that. They saw him as you remember the way the crowd went up when he cashed in the briefcase. Uh huh. They were okay. People were hot for that. They were okay. They believed that he was that guy in 2013, mm-hmm. and then a couple of years later, they didn't believe that anymore. And one of the main reasons that they didn't believe it anymore because he got beat so many times. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm going to interject something about Dolph Ziggler. I'm a Dolph Ziggler fan, and I'm 100% on board with Rob. I never understood why they never pulled the pulled the trigger on the guy. But one thing I've noticed about Ziggler's career is when was Ziggler hot? When he was surrounded by people. His gimmick was he was surrounded by Vicky Guerrero. He was surrounded by Big E. He was surrounded by Bobby Roode. He was surrounded by people in the times when it was just Ziggler having to exist on his own. And I'm saying this as a fan. He struggled to find himself, to to set himself apart aside from being great wrestler guy. He cuts a great promo. He's a good-looking dude. He's an elite athlete in the ring. But when I look at the, the, the different eras of the Dolph Ziggler career, he's up, he's down, he's up, he's down. The times he's up. He's aligned with someone. Okay. And I think that's because he struggled to find an identity beyond all those other, the dirty dogs, the time with Vicky, the time with Big E. Okay. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. But in in 2013, people believed he was world champion material. In 2013, he was also 29 years old. And that's fine. But (laughs) yes, but believing matters. Okay. Okay. No, 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 no. Hold on. Why did they believe Rob? Because he won a bunch of stuff. No, he didn't. He won. He, he back, won money in the bank. He beat yeah, John yeah. Cena in the TLC match. Okay, on the paper. John Cena beat him like seven times, and that was the one time he won in the match. He didn't have to pin him in. He won the one, but people people believed. They saw him win stuff. They did. No, no, Rob. Yes, they, they did. Didn't believe, they didn't know they didn't because he didn't win a lot. Go back and look. He they believed in him. He beat he because, beat Chris Jericho in a retirement match. Chris Jericho had to retire. And goddamn Chris Jericho's still working, so Dolph Ziggler failed at that too. Well, fine. Okay, but <laughs> I don't know. I just threw that out. There. Okay, but <laughs> like J- believe- Jason said, like Jason said about Austin Theory, he looks at the Austin Theory, he sees a, he sees a handsome United States champion. And that is a personal feeling. That's and I and I am willing to bet that there are a lot more people who feel that way than who feel like he's world champion material today. That's fine. They're not booking the show, and this is not a real Sport. It doesn't matter who's the who's world champion material. It matters who the booker chooses to be champion. So I'm trying to explain to you, dog. If there, if 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 we go, okay, but trust me, trust me, trust me, he'll be good. And then he's the world champion. And then people go away in droves like they did with Jinder Mahal. You're not going to hear about it on like Twitter. You're not going to hear about it in the IWC. You're just going to hear. You're just gonna all of a sudden see. Whoa, why are the ratings so far down? I'm glad you said. Ratings really that far down because of Jinder Mahal? No. Did the ratings really take a shit because of Jinder? Because I saw a lot of shit on the internet, and and the internet pocket shit all over Jinder Mahal. But I don't really think the the ratings were in a stagnant time anyway. Well, I don't think Jinder was the reason. Can and I want to respond to that because that a very good retort. My retort to that. Is simply this. Um, 
what say what you said again i'm sorry i got i, I lost my thought I basically were the ratings really that no no no, no what, what jason said oh jason. i'm sorry jason go ahead buddy well, just because I, I just felt like maybe and maybe the empirical data doesn't back it up, but when Jinder was champion, it just kind of sucked. Everyone was just kind of like, this show sucks. Oh, right, right, right. Just kind of sucks. Saying, this yeah, thing's okay. like, whatever. And it's like, okay, I don't want to go through that again. I don't want to go through this experiment. That's fair. My retort to you is this. No one's saying, oh, he's good, he's good, he's good. We're talking about if he's worthy of being MITB champ and if he's and if he's him possibly winning the championship okay let's again let's not look at this from a personal bias standpoint from a i didn't like that or i did like that let's look at this from as you use empirical data do his do, do his segments dip how his segments do does he get any does he get any talk on socials how's his socials Bro, how's, i was gonna say does he, does, he, does, he, does he does does how's his merch doing is he selling merch because that's the that's those are the, the precursors we have, right? And again, if his title reign doesn't work, he'll lose the title. Yeah. Wait, his I'm title reign. I'm going to piggyback on what Ray just said because I found something yesterday. Yesterday, I found this extreme when we talk about you know social media, and and I'm going to use Liv Morgan here. I found out something very, very interesting and rather polarizing to me. We love Bianca Belair, and we've talked about Bianca Belair here just a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. I went over to Liv Morgan's Twitter. Liv Morgan's Twitter, 1.1 million followers, something like that. Somebody, anybody, take a wild guess at how many people are following Bianca Belair without looking, and with if, unless you, if you already know, don't answer. But how many people do you think are following Bianca Belair? I'm going to guess not as many, but I will add that um, Liv Morgan, she actually, she is an active, she actively uses Twitter. And I don't, like Bianca posts stuff on Twitter. Bianca uses it the way Rob recommends people use it. Yeah. Right. And, and, and there's, a difference, there's a difference between people who actively use their Twitter account to engage and all that stuff and people and people who just post stuff there's a difference and um bianca belair by comparison has half as many twitter followers as Liv morgan and i found that to be polarizing even for as big a star as bianca is for as much as they have put her out there to, to, to only have half as many as Liv morgan and, and to seemingly for bianca to be more popular than Liv. Again, apparently, obviously, there are, and we've talked about these markers and these data and these the, these these different bullet points that WWE looks at when they're gauging who the stars are. There's a lot of data we don't have privy to, and this is, you know, again, Ray's point. What are the 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 outliers that we're not looking at that Austin Theory is hitting that we're not seeing that we're not privy to? And I think, you know, it, that makes uh, there are things that we don't know. And that we may never know. And and that's why we consider and we can look at, okay, why this guy, why that girl? Well, here's why. Well, I would say with theory. Okay. So I'm looking, looking up some numbers here for him as far as like his traffic and all of that. Well, all year they've, they put him with Bobby. They put him with Brock Lesnar. They put on TV, they put him with Roman Reigns. So they, they put him with the names, right? So he hasn't really had a whole lot of, you know, sink or swim on his own time here. 
Um, okay, and? Well, it matters. I mean... Why? Well, right now, I say it's, at best it's inconclusive right now. At best. Well, why does that matter? We're trying to, well, we're trying to figure out why things are going the way they're going. And... But you're I, acting like they're going bad. That's your... Well, opinion. I would say that the fact that they got him walking out there on NXT... I, I think that's... You, no, 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 DJ, that's okay. You're right, because Kevin Owens is fairly trash because he's on NXT. Se- he on NXT. Okay. No, there's a different trash because she wrestled from NXT. Segment. Shinsuke Nakamura is fairly trash because he went from Antonio Inoki's funeral to NXT. No, like, come on, man, what are you, do, what are you okay, doing? Okay, see, now, now, you, now, okay, you, no, no, that's no, no. deliberately missing the point. The yeah. NXT Championship is a demotion from the World Championship. It End absolutely of is. It absolutely is. Okay, and again, I will say, I will die on this hill. What? I would. If Seth Rollins was Mister Money in the Bank, Seth Rollins would not have walked out there last night with a damn briefcase. Who well, is you're, the world you're champion? You're comparing Seth Rollins, who has Roman a Reigns. ten-year WWE career behind him, to Austin Theory, world titles. Exactly. Okay. Almost, part of the was, biggest almost, faction almost was of, in the match. Almost was in the Money in the Bank match. Almost would not have walked out there with a briefcase. Why? Because you believe almost could win the damn match against Roman Reigns. Oh, I one hundred percent believe they would walk almost out on NXT TV with the 100%. briefcase. I no, 100% and I, no, and I do not do believe that. that at all. I know I, I, I will die on that hill. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't. I can't compare Austin Theory to Seth Rollins. Okay, Seth Rollins we, has got a decade, multiple championships, and that's fair. And he that's, was one third of the most important, one of the most important factions in the last fair. decade. But so. but again, but as we were saying before, when you're the belt holder, when you're in the same space as the belt holders, as when you're in that space, who do you get compared to? You get compared to the belt holders. So Austin Theory is Mr. Money in the Bank. He doesn't just get compared to Otis. He doesn't just get compared to Damian Sandow. Rob's making the Liv Morgan comparison. If you're sitting at the adult table, you don't get handled with kid gloves anymore. Right. If if you go from high school to the NBA, when you get on that floor in the NBA, they don't go easy easy on you on defense. I just don't understand how you can make that point when your favorite wrestler in the entire world Fought for the damn NFC title at WrestleMania off of a World Rumble win. That, uh, after, hold on, after she left NXT, when she was the NFC champion, when she started. But she, okay, she did not, oh, no, 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 okay. There's a lot of, of stuff in that. COVID, yeah. uh, hang on, you have COVID, you have NXT just be getting on TV. They're obviously doing some sort oh. of cross-promotional thing. What does COVID have There's, to do? We still had a WrestleMania. No, I, 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 got, world Jason, title match. Jason, I got this one. I got this one. I'll take it. Oh, take it. he's got this one. Okay. <laughs> okay. She did not go to NXT begging for a title match. I didn't say that. Okay, she did not walk down there like, gee. I didn't say I, that either. Oh, but all right, hear me out. Hear me out. Let me finish. Let me finish. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, in her case, the NXT champion came up to her and said, instead of fighting Becky again, instead of fighting Bailey again, why don't you fight me? Okay, so... The she NXT not- champion who was also... Wait, that was the fu- same year she was in the Final Four for the Rumble? Or no? No, no that was, it was like a year She hadn't been in the Rumble yet. No, because no, then she she made her way to the main roster. So it kind of that, was, that was a year after that, though. But yeah, in, in that case, the, the NXT champion came to her Okay. And said, "Why don't you fight me instead?" Gotcha. Okay, the NXT champion challenged her. She did not walk down there to challenge the NXT champion. Got you. Okay, that is a difference. 
I'm okay, right. there's Absolutely a huge right. difference. Absolutely right. Two things. Number one, she could have said no. She still wrestled for the NC title on a WrestleMania when she could have fought for either a world title. Number two, so you're telling me that the context and the story details matter, right? Yes. So we just saw this motherfucker do this last night when we still got more time to talk about this and figure out why. Okay. I'm just, just going to interject. In- if you ever want to hear, watch Rob turn into the shoot bear, say something <laughs> negative about the queen. Because <laughs> okay. all of a sudden, Rob is the shoot bear coming to shoot. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, uh, but, and again, I'm saying, again, perception-wise, okay, perception, and, and, and if we're going to compare the two again, okay, so Charlotte was not getting beat like a drum until Rhea Ripley challenged her. She had, Charlotte won the Royal Rumble. Okay. Austin well, Theory is getting beat like a drum for the past month Miz? or so. Okay. Let's use recent comparisons. Miz stole the money bank contract from Otis. Miz won the world championship. Miz, Miz loses them to every match. I don't think that's accurate, but... Okay. okay. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> All right, so I, I think we I think we've accomplished absolutely nothing here tonight. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, we, I think we, we're probably gonna have to all just kind of agree to quietly disagree <laughs> where this whole situation is concerned. I do want to go around the room here real quick, just a rapid fire, <laughs> I, and I'm gonna start with Rob. Uh-oh. Okay, Austin Theory obviously taking it on the chin, taking a beating, taking a beating. Do you see any scenario where they can heat him back up and, and in your eyes, make him believable to be to be somebody who could cash that thing in successfully? Oh, I mean, I think he will be in just the honestly, I think it's just a matter. Of, look, I think he will be there in a year or two. I mean, it's just because he has all the he has all the tools that you need to. It's just. Right now, to me. The way he has been presented this year projects a different kind of perception of him right now. Okay, like that's I'm not saying never. I'm saying today he doesn't look like it. I do think in a year or in two years, I do think one in the future he absolutely will look like it. He absolutely will be believable. Okay. Because he he has all the things to be believable. And I think within the in the future, yes, he will be. And in the future, he may not need the damn briefcase. They might just put it. He just win the damn thing straight up. All right. Okay. I, I'm going to go around the room. Then I've got one more question. I'm going to go around the room again. Jason, your thoughts. Uh, I think he lost a lot of steam when Vince got canned or whatever. Cause, and he was in flux for a while. And now they're finally getting, getting things going again. I'm just kind of, on the guy because I'm just like I feel like you're spinning new wheels a little bit just in terms of the fact that he loses all the goddamn time and he's not doing anything truly meaningful ever aside from the US title run and then I'm like you you want you're trying to be the bratty you know I'm the boss's protege but the boss isn't here anymore and I can't even really allude to the boss because you know that's a whole thing um, but so he's just kind of been in no man's land in no way, shape or form. Is he going to cash in successfully on Roman Reigns? Like, please get out of here. Um, I'm going to come back to that. 
and 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 no, like yes, isn't that the best kind of like? Oh, you never see it coming. You never see it coming. Like no, that's just straight up stupid. That's watching, you know. Suddenly at the end of X Men Three, Jubilee comes out of nowhere and beats everybody. It's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> so, Mr. Cash, your thoughts? If they if they chose, our truth could go on a Bruno San Martino run right now. Yes, the Booker can do whatever right. they want. So Absolutely. yes, he can be heated up at any time if they choose to heat him up. Not, okay. I think he's heated, well, but. Right. And that's 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 going on the assumption that he's not hot. I agree with you. I I think the guy's hotter than the other two gentlemen on the show do. I want to pose one more question, and this is we we are we are in an era where we know right now there is a very 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 short list of people who are going to actually beat Roman Reigns. The list, and when I say short, it's like maybe three people who potentially could beat Roman Reigns and take him down. And when I say take him down, I mean take him down. And two of them are on the shelf. Two of them are on the shelf. Given that the Money in the Bank win guarantees a title shot at the World or Universal Championship. Now, they're both unified right now, so the only person he can go after is Roman. So you automatically know whoever holds that is not going to win. Okay? This is the scenario that I'm posing to you. Who other than Austin Theory do you put in that role to inevitably lose. You Ray, know who it is? Ray, I'm going to start with you, because I personally, I think Austin Theory is the perfect guy to unsuccessfully cash in. Mr. Cash, what do you think? Whew. I'm with you. I, I I think he's doing a damn good job. I think he is the the perfect person for this, because he can, first and foremost, the money in the bank briefcase to me. Again, speaking specifically to me, is a heel gimmick. I don't think we should have very many babyface money in the bank winners because the very nature of the way you of the way it's been um, kind of canonized, you cash in is a heel trait, right? Mm-hmm. Surprising somebody after they lost or while they're at their lowest or weakest point, that's a heel trait, right? So I'm going to expound upon that when we're done. Go ahead. Okay. So if we're looking, people that's already on the main roster, not calling anybody up. Um, and no, the only other person that that's more perfect than this is the Miz. But in this case, you got a young kid who now gets to get his name put with all these bigger wrestlers, so that people who are watching can say, "Hey, I know that dude. That's the dude with the selfie," and they're gonna remember him put in these situations in which he probably wouldn't have been put in if he was just regular Austin Theory, didn't have the briefcase. I think he is the perfect person. Okay. Jason, given the circumstances, we know the Money in the Bank winner is not going to successfully cash in. If it's not Austin Theory, who is it? Honestly, there's a bunch you could have done. There's Seth, there's Drew, there's this guy, then, because I know they're not going to win. But in our dumb, smart brains where we think like, OK, this company's done some stupid shit before. Wouldn't Drew obviously would be a huge one. Like, yeah, he could probably win it. Um, but Seth, wouldn't that just get into the back of your head? Certain other people like certain other they've got to be like main eventers. 
Like Ed, uh, Edge walking around with that briefcase? Are you freaking kidding me? He could absolutely cash that thing in and win. Get real. So I, I think I think there are I think yes the the conclusion is foregone. We know in these in these universes that we're talking about, Edge is not actually going to win it. Seth Rollins is not actually going to win it. However, when the bell rings for Austin Theory's match, at no way, shape, or form at any certain time will I say, wow, he might... Do you think they would... Really, do you think... Meanwhile, with at least Edge, Seth Rollins, some of those guys, yeah, that would get in my head very, very quickly, especially Edge. I, that one kind of... I'm surprised I didn't think of that before. Okay. Mr. Raw. Okay, I got a bit of a long answer here. First, because first of all, all right. Remember, going into the match, there were some people putting out there that, well, Seth's going to win and maybe he'll cash on Roman again. I mean, people were, were already putting that out there as a possibility. Mm-hmm. But as far as what they could have done instead of this, um, there's actually, there was somebody who was in that match who you have a story ready made for. And who could cash in that briefcase and lose, and it would totally fit their character. Oh, shit. Was Sammy in the match? Sammy Zayn. Oh, yeah. They did that next and year, let, though. And let me spell it out for you. Sammy wins the briefcase. He's the honorary oos. He promises the, you know, he's not going to use it. And when the time comes, he's just going to lay down for Roman. And then they go through all the things. You know, he, he gets kicked out of the bloodline. But he doesn't. He still has the briefcase. And then let's say, you know, Kevin comes to save him. They're back together. Then Bloodline beats the shit out of Kevin. Sammy gets pissed. Fuck you, Roman. I got the briefcase. We're going tonight. And then, but of course, as Sammy does, Sammy loses. Okay. Boom. Yeah. One yeah. quick thing Sammy's to raise to raise point about the money in the bank being a heel thing. When Big E had it, I thought it was cool. We got some great moments. We got Big E running around the night of, you know, just terrorizing people. And then just him at house shows making love to the to the briefcase <laughs> in the turnbuckle. Like, it was some, there was some great stuff that came out of that. But the night he cashed in, I take the casual fan base into consideration, and I take my girlfriend. She was shoot hot at Big E for the way he cashed in. Now, mind you, Lashley's a full-blown heel Lashley's the guy we all hate. She was a Lashley sympathizer because Lashley hurt his knee. And Big E, because she's like, what is this pussy doing? Why is he coming out and cashing in now? Because he's hurt. Like, well, now she I, got shoot hot and, over and, Big E now I, I'll, in. Now, I'll interject something because this is where I think they missed out on, like, a story detail. Because Big E had every right to do Bobby like that because Bobby killed both his boys. And I explained yeah. that to her. I told but, her, I was like, look, I was like, he's getting his comeuppance because Big E just beat up, you know, Kofi and Xavier. She's like, I don't care. If he was a real man, he would have waited until he was 100. Like, dude, she turned into one of those fans. Well, because the they, like, they, they didn't. the baby face conundrum. They didn't, they, exactly. didn't pro- they didn't properly allude back to that on TV, though. They right. did not. Because I think Big E, Big E carried it very, very well because he carried it the way the baby face is supposed to. Yes, to your point, Ray, it is a baby, it is a heel gimmick. Yeah, I can cash in anytime, start a match, whether you're bleeding for the face or not. Whatever. You know, haha. However, Big E used it like a baby face and was like, hey, I have this thing 
Them's the rules. See, when I sneak up on, when you sneak up on me and beat me up, you're breaking the rules. But when I do this, I'm in the rules. So you got stuck on that. And he, he carried it absolutely perfectly. Uh, and I don't disagree with you at all. I love the whole run with Big E with the with the briefcase and everything that led up to that point. But again, I'm speaking from a again, if we're talking about casual fans. When I look at it from a casual fan standpoint, when you look at it in oh, yeah. kayfabe, yep. to her, it didn't make a whole lot of sense that this big tough guy who's the good guy that everybody loves would wait until this guy's on his last leg literally and just wrestle a full match and he's uh, gimping around and now biggie's going to come and pick the bones and that was a that that was a misstep yeah on commentary's part on e's part on bobby's part on like when they were setting that whole thing up somebody should have been like hey we got to reiterate this because this was a couple of weeks ago. So, and we tr- we usually treat our audience like they have the memory of a goldfish. I don't know why we're not, we're expecting them to remember something from four weeks ago. Right. I, I still say there's only been one good babyface cash in, in, in the sense of a, being a babyface, and that's Rob Van Dam. He said, yeah. Look, I'm cashing this in on this date. I'll see you there. And they were able to book Ooh. it as a match. Instead of a babyface coming behind somebody after they got uh, they lost a match, or in the midst of a match, or after they were hurt after a match, I, in the eyes he, of what a babyface traditionally is, that's the only one. Right. He did call his shot, but yes, you are right because yeah. Bobby was selling the knee and selling this. It's like okay, now you're you really are. He didn't just lose. You're like actually picking the bones right now. And that's that was Tina's argument with the whole thing. And that was a misstep. Faced him man to man, you know, face to face, eye to eye, and that wasn't how that went down. At the very least, I bet if Bobby wasn't selling the knee and he was just like, oh, I lost, now I'm getting my head back and I'm standing on my feet, she probably would have looked at that differently. Or I think I had to look at her, I'm like, you realize, you realize Lashley's the bad guy, right? And she's like, I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) Or or I think it was incredible. Or I think, look, he could have come out there after the match and he could have even said, look, Norm, you know, I, I didn't want to do it. You know, norm, look, I don't normally get down like that. I usually go with people straight up. But fuck you. You killed both of my boys. So I'm getting your ass right now. I don't think Remember that stuff that you did the last couple said. of weeks? Now I'm coming to collect. I don't think he could have done that exact promo you're saying, Rob, even though it would have been nice. Because at the beginning, before the show happened, he said, I'm cashing in regardless. Oh, but, now he, yeah. um, but in my scenario, you don't do that. Okay. Right. I, I mean, right. no, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if the story could have told, been told better. If they would have put that story tick in it, but it wasn't. Um, it is what it is. It's I still still a fantastic moment. Yeah. yeah, even with all that, it still was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all yeah, right. Like, yeah. Well, guys, I think we can take it home there. We had an awesome man, awesome <laughs> show tonight. We we lit it up. Good stuff. Yeah, this, man. this was really good stuff, and and this is this has been awesome. Uh, we're gonna call the go home here. I'm gonna wrap back around the room here. First, start with special guest, good brother to the show, co-host of the Outsiders Edge, Mr. Ray Cash, sir. Thank you very much. My pleasure. My and pleasure. I know it was last minute, but I'm glad you were available tonight. Yeah, man. Anytime I can get on with you guys, you know, I know I can't do it often. Yeah, Got a lot I, going on in my own world, but yeah, it's always good to sit down with y'all. It's good to have your voice and your insight back on the podcast waves. I'm glad to see you kind of slowly getting back into it, whether you're with us, whether you're doing Outsider's Edge, man, or wherever you're at, man. It's just good to hear your voice out there again. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. 
And from the Rob the Genius podcast, Mr. Rob, uh, <laughs> sir, <laughs> you may want to have yourself a little drink before you go to bed. I think you're kind of fired up tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, look, y'all know I get carried away every now and then. You know, it's all good, brother. And, <laughs> no. you know, we had a blast tonight. No, nah, but no, nah, look, man, no, this was fun, man. And look, Ray, look, love you, brother. Always good to have you here. And look, we're going to do this again. You know that? Um, <laughs> but um, else no. going to argue about damn straight. Yeah. <laughs> and from Cloud Nine, Bucky's <laughs> tag team partner, Jason, sir, fun show tonight, man. Well, to quote my friend Rob about Austin Theory, not this Rob, but white Rob, I got a theory. This guy stinks. So that's what I theory about. I think about and Austin Theory. On that note, all the you- love, and you want to go in with that? Yeah, no, I love him. I love him. We gotta end with he sucks. He stinks. Stinky. He stinks. Oh my god! Come on. Anyway, no matter what you think about it, remember you can call it pro wrestling. You can call it sports entertainment. You can call it whatever you want, but call it in the ring. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. I am your host DJ, and we are out of here until next week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.